we're going to hear from God's Word from Isaiah chapter 40, um, starting at verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Second reading tonight is from 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do, for it is written... Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Well, we saw last week, and Anna prayed about it tonight, that it's so good to be a stranger in this world, that God has made us strangers because he's chosen us to be his people and now we live as strangers in the world, which is hard, But Peter wanted them to know uh, up uh, front and centre 
how good it is to be a stranger, that you're a stranger but not a stranger to God. You're known by him and loved by him and given a living hope that is certain, that cannot fade or perish, and he will keep you so that you get it in heaven. But how do we live now? How do we live in this world as strangers? How do we live with hope and joy? How do we live the way God wants us to? How do we live at home and at school and at work and at church? Tonight's passage is a great passage to answer that question. You see in your outline tonight, first of all, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you. Verse 13 of 1 Peter 1. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Whenever you read a therefore in the Bible, do you know the question you should ask? It's very simple. What is the therefore therefore? And if you know anything about grammar, it's pretty obvious. Obviously, it's drawing on what's come before and telling you to do something. Well, last week was a great passage in seeing what God had done for us. But did you notice it told us nothing to do? There were no commands, no imperatives. You weren't supposed to do anything with last week's passage until you get to this word, therefore. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Everyone in the world is constantly setting their hope on something in the future. If you're nine, you set your hope on your birthday coming up and talk incessantly about it. If you're at school, you set your hope on finishing exams or finishing school. If you're at uni, you set your hope on finishing the course. At work, you might set your hope on moving up the rungs of the ladder in your career. If you're engaged, you set your hope on your wedding day, on starting a family, paying off the house, retiring, and on life goes. Mostly, I set my hope on on holidays. I'm quite a fan of holidays and I long for them, I plan for them, they fill me with excitement. And right now, you'd like to know what I'm planning, wouldn't you? I'm planning to go to the Philippines later in this year with two of my boys to visit our compassion child. Many of you here in this congregation sponsor a child in a particular, on a particular island in the Philippines. We're planning to go there. I'm going as your pastor, as your representative, I guess, but also to meet our compassion child. It's going to be great to meet our child, uh, their family, to see what the project is doing. And would you believe that they have beaches on this island? I'm excited. I'm planning for it. You see, I've set my hope on what's to come. Actually, every day we set our hope on things, don't we? You're meeting a friend for coffee. You set your hope on it being a joy. You're in pain because of your sickness. You set your hope on the pill that you take. Life is just a constant series of setting your hope on things. But you know, I have got travel insurance because the trip might not happen. Something might go wrong. And sometimes even holidays don't turn out the way that you expect, do they? And they're a disappointment. Christians 
have been born again, given a living hope that when Jesus returns, they will be given an inheritance, the grace that will be given to us. It's a certain hope. There's no insurance needed. It will happen if your faith is in Jesus and it will not disappoint. And Peter says, since you have such a great salvation, therefore set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. If this is such a good hope, if it's so certain and so much better than any other hope, why does he need to tell us to set our hope upon it? Wouldn't that be obvious? Yet he says here, preparing your minds for action. Literally it says, girding the loins of your mind. In the ancient world, you usually wore sort of a flowing robe. It wasn't much good for running or doing manual work. And so you would have to gird up your loins, tuck them in somehow. Let's not go there too far. And we might say, get your trainers on, do your shoelaces up and get ready to go. Get your minds ready for action so that you can set your hope on the grace to be given. We actually need to get our minds onto this. For all our other hopes are alluring and you can see them. It occurred to me this week that every time I plan something for this trip that I'm looking forward to, I need to remember this verse. I need to memorize this verse and remind myself that I have a better hope, a more certain hope. How do you need to help yourself to set your hope upon this fully? How do we remind each other that this is our hope and it needs to guide our desires and our expectations for the future. When you set your hope on something, it changes how you live, doesn't it? I'm planning accommodation, I'm planning car hire, I'm working out the best beaches to go to. I'm even going to the doctor and asking him to stick needles in my arm. When you have a hope you've set your heart upon, it changes how you live. And Peter tells us, set your hope on the grace to be given you and be holy now. For that's why the Father ransomed you. Have a look at verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it's written, Be holy, because I am holy. What does it mean that God is holy? It means that he's different. He is different to you and I. He is pure. There is no darkness in him. And Peter says, as obedient children, not conforming to the evil desires you used to follow, be like your father. Be holy. But the great thing about the Bible is it doesn't just tell you what to do. It's not a list of commands, you must do these things. No, it tells you why. Verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or 
defects. Do you ever wonder whether you're worth anything? Whether you are valuable? Sometimes we think, well, I own things. I've got money in the bank. That makes me valuable. There are people who like me. That makes me valuable. There are things that I do or contribute to others. But what if people stop liking you? What if you run out of money in the bank? What if you can't contribute anything to anyone else? Are you still valuable? Do you see what God says here? It was not with silver or gold, such worthless things, that he redeemed you, but with the precious blood of Christ. How could you possibly think that you are not valuable? How could you possibly think that you are worthless? Do you see the value that God places upon you? But actually the verses are not about value, are they? They're about purpose. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. Redeemed doesn't just mean saved, it means ransomed. You were stuck, you were a slave, you could not get out of living for yourself, ignoring God and living the empty way of life handed down by our society and by our families. You were stuck and God ransomed you, ransomed you out of it to give you new birth into a new life. He values you, but more importantly, his purpose is that you be holy. Last week I watched a terrific movie called The Good Lie about some refugees who were lucky enough to get to America out of South Sudan. But they heard, one of them, that their brother had been found and wrote them a letter from the refugee camp back in South Sudan. So he went back there to try and get papers to get his brother out. And he told his brother that he had got the papers and his brother could come with him and fly back to freedom in America. But as they were lining up at the airport, he said, I'm sorry, but I couldn't get the papers. But continue on and answer to my name and I'll go back to the refugee camp. He ransomed him, do you see, by paying with his own freedom to rescue his brother. He ransomed him out of slavery of being a refugee so that he would have the freedom of citizenship in another country. What do you think he expected him to do with that freedom? To sit around and do nothing? Maybe commit some crimes so he got thrown in prison, which is a lot like a refugee camp? Of course not. His purpose was that he might live in freedom and he gave a great price to make that happen so it is with god he gave his own son because he values us that much but more importantly because he wanted us to be free free from our slavery to sin freedom to live for him and to be holy how could you go back to living your empty way of life he has ransomed you out of the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers. If you set your hope 
on the grace to be given you, it will change your life now and you will seek to be holy. How's that going for you? Are you seeking to do that in every area of life? Are you taking sin seriously? Are you taking the cultural values that you've been handed down and getting rid of them? Is there an area of life that you are just playing around with, that you are complacent about, where you are no different to how you used to be, where you are no different to the people around you? Be holy, for that's why I ransomed you says God. Set your hope on the grace to be given you. Be holy for that's why I ransomed you. But what does it look like, do you think, to be holy? What does it mean to be holy after the service tonight? To be holy tomorrow morning as you start your week? Imagine a non-Christian said to you, what are you hoping to do this year, to achieve this year? And you said, I'm hoping to be more holy. They'd look at you like a weirdo, wouldn't they? It sounds weird and mysterious and spooky somehow. But Peter wants us to know it's very practical. It's very personable. It's all about love. Have a look at verse 22. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. You see, these churches in these little places here, these little gatherings of 10 or 12 Christians perhaps, they were like this church. They'd heard God's word, they'd turned away from living for themselves and were now seeking to live for Jesus and God had changed them and he'd given them a love for each other that they didn't have before. They've been purified by obeying the truth to have a sincere love for their brothers. But Peter says, more. Love one another deeply from the heart. Deeply sounds like truly, madly, deeply. You've got to be really emotional about it. The word means earnestly, deliberately, at full tilt, like an athlete diving for the the finish line so they win the race. With your pedal to the floor, love one another with all your effort, he says. Not just your actions, but from the heart. What a challenge that is, to love one another like that. And so Peter gives them motivation again. He tells them why, verse 23. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glories like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. In our living room, if you look around every wall of the living room, there are photos. What do you think the photos are? Of our family. Of my wife of our children, and they make me smile. Why? Because they're my children. Because they're my children. I don't have any photos of any of your children on my wall. And if you approach me after the service and offer some, I'll turn you down. I'm not interested. 
I love and delight and want to serve my children because they are my children, the ones that God has given me. They have come from my seed. They are my seed, you might say, in Peter's language. God has given them to me, and so I love them. But I'm part of a second family. I've been born again, born into a new family where God is the father and all his people are the children and peter is saying here if you love those in your natural family so you must love those in your supernatural family in your spiritual family that you've been born again into you must love and delight in them and serve them but peter says something very challenging something deeply disturbing in some ways. Do you see verse 23? For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Those of us of parents have children who are perishable, just as we are perishable. Why do I love the photos on the wall? Because they are from the past when my children were littler. And one day, all of them will not live at home, I imagine. And one day, I will not be there either. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. And I will fall too. And do you see what Peter is saying? If you love those in your natural family who will one day all pass away, how much more should you love those in your spiritual family which is a family that is imperishable? For you've been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. That's challenging, isn't it? Which family should you love more? Your natural family or your spiritual family? Well, that's sort of a trick question, isn't it? You're supposed to love them both. But it seems to me that we naturally, on a good day, want to love our natural family and we need to be stirred up to love our spiritual family. That's why it's so good that we actually meet together, isn't it? How could you love people that you don't get together with? That's why it's so good that we get together in our growth groups. But remember it says here, we're to have a sincere love for our brothers and sisters, we're to love one another earnestly from the heart. What might that look like? Well, we'd invite one another over, wouldn't we, and get together at other times. We'd share our troubles with one another and be okay with that. When someone needed practical help around the home, we'd be up for that as well. And we'd actually ask what we could pray for someone and remember to pray it. That's just a beginning, isn't it? For these are people who have been born anew like us and we will be in their family forever.
Mind you, notice Peter is very realistic about this. He doesn't pretend that these members of your imperishable family have somehow been made really likable. Do you have a look at chapter 2, verse 1? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Your natural family members might be just like that. I don't know. Your spiritual family members are like that. Otherwise, why would Peter say it? But he wants us to love one another. More to the point, he's speaking to the people with malice in their hearts, isn't he? Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. I'd be very surprised if there wasn't one in that list that you needed to rid yourself of. How should we live as strangers in this world? We set our hope on the grace to be given us. We are to be holy for that's why God ransomed us and being holy means loving one another. Gee, that sounds hard. How is God going to help us to do that? Verse 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. It was the word, God's word, that gave us birth. And Peter says here, it's God's word that will grow us. The phrase there, pure spiritual milk, literally it says pure wordy milk. It's God's word that will cause us to grow in our hope, in our holiness and our love. And what, so what do we need to do to enable this work of God in our lives? We need to eat. And we need to eat what we need. When children get a bit older, they get fussy about their food and they don't really want to eat the things that will actually help them to grow, do they? Like broccoli. But little babies get it right. They're only after one food and they crave it. When they want it at 3 a.m., they let you know. Crave pure, wordy milk. That's what we need to do this year. Have you got a plan for doing that, reading God's Word regularly yourself? Have you got a group of people that you're going to do that with? And are you praying that God will grow you as you read His Word? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You so much that we have such a great salvation to look forward to. Help us to set our hope fully upon it. And Father, as we, we set our hope on the grace to be given us, Father, enable us to be holy as you are holy, for that's why you ransomed us. Please motivate us to want to get rid of sin in our lives. And Father, we praise you that it's very practical, but very challenging. Help us to love each other at full throttle, outstretched in our efforts from the heart, because you've made us to be a spiritual family a family who are to love one another. We thank you that you'll do this as we read your word. Help us to crave this pure spiritual milk. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.